Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 394 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I talk to Sam Barham of Balance and Monkey Games about their settlement building adventure game before we leave. Apologies for the whirring sounds in the background. It's because I've got fans on. Because at the time of me recording this introduction, very hot today. It is. It's the middle of the summer. Oh, yes. Well, I say middle of the summer. It's not quite, is it? Anyway. Before we leave is a cross between a city builder, like a settlement 4X game, and an adventure game. Because you build these little settlements on a planet and then you go out to other planets in the solar system and then you just sort of jet off into the, you know, to, to, to leave because you'll just... And things happen. Extraordinary things happen. And Sam and I go into great detail about why... Balancing Monkey Games made this game, and also how they merged two very different genres together, i.e. adventure game and forex city building game. They don't really mesh that well together, and sometimes, you know, some games do have stories of some sort, but typically it's the one that you make yourself. But in the case of Before We Leave, it's all about you reacting to the narrative. It's a very delicately done thing and it's quite impressive what's been done here so that's why i had sam on the show to talk about what is quite an interesting game so without further ado let's listen to me from the recent past talk to sam about before we leave chris take it away sam hello who are you what do you do uh i am sam barham i am from new zealand um i am the co-founder and creative director of Balancing Monkey Games, uh, who made the game Before We Leave. Yeah. 
What a name for a developer. We're going to come back to that. <laughs> okay. We'll, 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 we'll hold that, but we've got questions, but it's good. Yeah. It's good. Um, so how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games, Sam? Uh, so I had been uh, a software developer for 19 years at that point. Um, and I'd always wanted to make games. I'd worked in games for a couple of years, about a decade ago, um, but the global financial crisis happened to that job. Um, and my wife finished her master's degree, and the deal was that I could now lock myself in the study evenings and weekends because that's what she had been doing and make a game as a hobby. So that's where it started. Wow. So that's quite interesting to make like that, that sort of decision, like, well, We've got the assets, we've got the time, you've got that, that thing that you've been probably been thinking about for a long time. How did that feel, yep. that, that sense of when, when, when you were there, when you're in that place, when you realised that oh, I can actually do this? Was it apprehension or was it excitement or all of those emotions? Um, to begin with, it was mostly just exciting because, you know, I was just doing it as a hobby, I was trying out things that I'd always wanted to try. I was learning new things, learning Unity for the first time and all that sort of thing. Um, the apprehension came later when I turned into a full-time job and I was supporting my family off it. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And how did you find that term, sort of diving in, using that engine? I mean, was it C-sharp and Unity you had found yourself learning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I chose Unity simply because the um, my day job at the time I was programming C sharp. So you know, there it goes. I, I had done had done C plus plus back in the day, but not for yeah. a while. So right. Um, I must confess, I only know that one C plus plus. I do. Right. I'm still not familiar with Sharp. I do know there's fundamental differences between the two, massive differences, and uh, it's annoying yeah. that uh, <laughs> they share the same similar names. Like, no, no, really, it gives you a good founding for one or the other. But, uh, but yeah, having those tools available to you, or the, having that tool mm. available to you, was that yeah. a great sort of um, a removal of the barrier for you? Because otherwise, you'd have to be doing anything from scratch. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I know that there are people out there who make their game engines from scratch because they want something in particular or mm -hmm. because they're doing it to learn. Um, I, and I'd done that in the past to varying degrees of success and completion. Um, but I wasn't here to create something from scratch. Um, I was here to make a game. And I know the amount of stuff that goes into the basic engine. Um, so I was like, I don't want to have to do all of that over again for myself, so I'll just use someone that's already done it. Do you ever find having to really almost get to the point where you had to break Unity to get it to do what it was doing, or has it been? I mean, it's a very mature engine now. Yeah, no, it's it's been fine for me. Um, I think partly because I because I came to it as an experienced software developer. Um, there were lots of places where it was actually easier for me to write my own code rather than to learn the Unity way of doing things. Um, so, for example, I didn't bother trying to learn how to use Unity's pathfinding because I could code A-star a myself. Um, and admittedly, I don't know that Unity's pathfinding would handle pathfinding on a sphere. Um, it might. I don't know. I didn't look into it. Um, but, you know, there are plenty of things like that where I have seen people complain about Unity 
Um, and I imagine if I used Unreal, I would see people complain about Unreal for different things. Um, but yeah, there were times when it's like, eh, I can't be bothered learning how to do that the right way. So I just, you know, made it myself because I could. That's that's fair. And um, yes, it, it, if you already know, you already have those tools available to you, why to learn something else when you go, well, I can mm. do that myself. Makes perfect sense. And having such a... Um, interesting uh background in that you're like a software designer engineer programmer mm. what have you that's a very strong grounding uh, there are others who have a completely different background and yet find themselves delving into this space which they're a little bit less equipped nonetheless less talented it's just they have to mm. learn different skills and different things and bring yeah. different aspects to it what i'm trying to get at is that uh, unity is wonderfully named because it does bring many people together and it is a very unifying system uh and the fact yeah. that it, it it transfers across many different platforms not 100 percent, but very well it's very easy it's mm. easier to transfer yeah. it from one platform to the other it doesn't make it yeah, totally. it's, it's not completely seamless that would be ridiculous <clears throat> but um okay so sam this next question is a little bit open-ended and nebulous it's been around since the start of the show but it's in, it's an important one to i think to ask a creator which you are um and you can answer this on behalf of balance of monkey games as a as a collective or personally i do not mind but the question is this you are as a creator must have influences what do you believe are your greatest ones what are the ones that you find yourself being gravitating towards more than anything else um partly my christian faith uh partly my love of board games um partly thinking about you know having kids seeing them growing up thinking about what i want to be in the world for them to experience uh partly games i've loved in the past yeah um and partly things that I see and experience, um, yeah, like the, the the defining moment for why I ended up making Before We Leave rather than anything else was um, a giant lit-up lantern float at the um, Midwinter Carnival Parade in Dunedin, the city I live in. It was a great big whale with a city on its back, lantern float. I was like, that is so cool. I've got to make something with that. Yeah. Oh, you did. There's Wales. Yep. We'll, talk, we'll talk, about, talk about a country, by the way. But Although that would be interesting. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, um, I, just, I definitely see the board game references in Before We Leave. I play a lot of board games as well. Um, I was actually playing because I got, you know, kickstartled, as I call it. Like, oh, I forgot, I forgot to back this. And it just arrives. Because <laughs> you know yep. you back these things, and two years later, like, there you go. Did I back this? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> I did. Apparently, <laughs> um, I, I was. I, yeah, it's Return to Dark Tower, which is a, a, oh, yeah. a reimagining. Yeah, reimagining of uh, Dark Tower, the board game from MB Games from nineteen eighties, and um, mm. I think the best way I can describe it is it's Dark Tower as you thought it was. Yeah, I um, read reviews of the of the remake and people talking about it. Yeah, for better or worse, it was it was yeah as you as you remember it. 
Yeah, it's like because when you yeah. actually get out of it, like this is it's not very good. No, but <laughs> but they've they've taken you know modern technologies and modern sensibilities and modern game design and infused it into this yeah. idea of a big monolith thing. Um, and again, before we leave, I definitely see. Um, from what, what of a better phrase, engine building, which is a bit Euro like, mm. yep. that's there to a point. To mm. a point, it's definitely yeah. there, and uh, the, the pieces do have to be put in place, and the engine and all the, all the cogs need to be turning in order for it to work, in order for you to make progress. Yeah. Um, and that's really interesting, and uh, I can definitely see all of that. But no, really, really good answer. I have a lot of developers sit there for quite some time going, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff? I mean, we have got to the point where they sort of said, the universe? You know, that's lovely. <laughs> you know, like the, the, itself. Um, uh, but uh, no, really good answers there. And like a raft of, of things. So, And being influenced by the things you encounter in the world. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Even the most innocuous thing like a tap, like that's an interesting tap. And then for real, and then that triggers something, synapses in your brain, and then all of a sudden you're making <coughs> a game about tappy. Who knows? Um, but um, so my next question is, is uh, really uh, also can be quite difficult to answer. But it's not nebulous, but it's just basically the sheer breadth of the industry, which is... The question is this: um, What video game developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? And it can be a person or a company. Um, that's a harder one to answer. Um, I really um, admire at the moment the developers of Unpacking. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. The um, my our our community manager um, went to the Stugan um, game incubator thingy in Sweden with them, um, and has a has a lot of time for them. Um, but what they've managed to achieve is astounding. Um, so that's one. Um, who else? Oh, there's too many. It's a great metaphor for unpacking. I'll let you, but it's a great idea of, it does demonstrates that nothing in this life is permanent. And mm. that's one way of, I mean, some, yeah. one, one thing is certain about life is change. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yep. And um, yes, you go about the act of unpacking. But it's not really about that. <laughs> no, no, it's about it's about the story of a life. It yeah. is, yeah. So, is there anyone anyone else? I'll, I'll sort of let you sort of like. Oh, well, I love. I don't know if I particularly care for Bioware or not, but I love Mass Effect. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's incredible. I know people were down on Mass Effect Three, and I can understand why, but. The culmination of all these stories over the course of hundreds of hours of multiple games, it's just an incredible feat. Um, yeah, so, I think it's a great yeah. space opera, as they call them. Um, it is. And uh, definitely had its roots in Knights of the Old Republic when I first played it. I went, mm. oh, I can see yeah. the similarities here. And you see where they're using this game, the same seal sets, but they just created their own universe. I think the remaster or legendary edition 
Yeah. Um, was most welcome. I did play through the first game. Uh, struggled a bit actually because even though you think that the, the the it will be you know quite palatable to, to current, uh, but it is it's, it's very clunky. The first one's very nowhere near as sophisticated as the second yeah. one. Um, it's it's less clunky than it was. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Absolutely. I've done a good job of sorting out the inventory, for example. But yeah. um I've I found it I was very, very found it very, very easy to min max in that particular title to the point oh, yeah. where lot not much was really challenging me because it would sort of march up and then I just had this ridiculous weapon <laughs> because I I'd figured out well you know and just blasted everything to oblivion. It's like so, sorry, was it, is everything dead? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but um, no, it's a, it's a, I, I, one of my favourite titles of that era. And I do have to mm. remind people it's 15 years. <laughs> but no. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm old. Like, yeah, no, it's like, no, it wasn't. Yeah, 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 it was 15 years ago. Best not. No, we need to tell people FTL was 10 years old. No, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah, it is. No. Oh, <laughs> oh God. So yeah, and it's also with board games, similar thing. Like what, Yeddo's ten years? Yeah, no. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on to the last question. So kind of legally right. obliged to last question, of the first half. Be clear. Yeah. Um, kind of legally obliged to ask you this question because we're a podcast about video games. Therefore, Sam, please tell us what are you playing right now? Oh well. Um... I mean, right now I'm talking to you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to get in the dead joke. Yeah, yeah that's, that's um, good. Yeah. So right now I have a broken hand. Turns out falling off your bike and punching the ground is a bad idea. No, that's um, good. So no. at the moment I'm playing. And the ground will always Slay win in Sacred Fire. Um, okay. Yep. I've been playing Slay the Spire and I just finished playing oh, Citizen Sleeper. Um, and uh, what's his name commits tax evasion. Turnip boy commits tax evasion. Hmm. So I'm I'm looking for games that I can play kind of more or less with one hand with the controller sitting on my knee. Right. Because um, of broken hand. Um, if it wasn't for that, I would tell you I was playing um, Dyson Sphere program and... Um, I was also playing uh, Monster Hunter World with my son. Um, so yeah, wow, that's quite a quite a selection there. Um, yeah. So the um, <clears throat> Citizen Sleeper, isn't it? Is it? Is yeah, it, yeah. It's a lot of people. Incredible. Yeah, a lot of people are you know, babbling about that one. It's uh, yeah the concept of you being a clone and then trying to free mm. yourself from from you know, but are you a person and that kind of stuff. Yeah, is is yeah. that where it delves into this, like the sense of self, sense of self identity, and what that really means? Um, I guess somewhat for me, it was more. I, I it gives you an incredible sense of place and of the people you're interacting with. Um, you know, like I, I found the the final choice in my particular playthrough was quite simply: do I stay on this space station with all the friends I've made or fly off on a spaceship with one of one particular friend that I'd made. And it wasn't like a, a romance or anything. It was just, you know, 
do I go with them or do I stay? And just thinking, which one do I want to do was, was a real choice. Um, you know, it wasn't something I could just do flippantly. So, yeah. So everything has purpose. Everything has a mm. a sense of weight to it, and it, you couldn't be yeah. sort of flippant about yeah. these things. And yeah. it, it builds it up and it earns it. Um, mm. You know, like like for example, with Mass Effect, where it you know through the course of these massive games, it earns the payoff of all of these threads coming together at the end. And yeah. Citizen Sleeper is a much smaller experience, of course, but it's that same sense of it having having earned the right to say things and talk about things because of the the passion and the effort that's gone into building it up over, in this case, a few hours. Hmm. But it's, it was very effective. Yeah, yeah. I've yet to delve into that. I, I need to, but I'm distracted by a large sort of landscape with horrible monsters in it but <laughs> but um as soon as i finish that i mean um i'm talking about elden ring of course uh which who everyone's talking yep. about at the moment but uh playing through so. that on my ps5 um i'm one of the four people in the world that owns one of those and um my uh one of our founders jay he, he spent 300 hours on that thing um mm. and that's quite a quite a uh, heavens um but he yeah. did it and uh even New Game Plus it as well, uh, just to get that last trophy. Apparently, <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's dedication for you. Um, yeah, but um, no, I, 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 I really, it's a very interesting title. That come out of nowhere, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. But uh, there's that and Tunic. I want to dive into because that's a game that I'd be. Yeah, watching. Tunic was cool too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's. Uh, I, I remember seeing it at PAX East about three years ago and. Getting really impressed with it, and uh, mm. here we are. We had a different different name back then. It was, <laughs> it's great seeing that that stuff in its embryonic state because you see where no idea yeah. is going to go. But uh, and I remember even then the combat was a little bit tough, and looks like they doubled down on that, and that's fine. That's fine. Mm. That's fine. Yeah, I so, think I ended up um, I ended up turning the easy mode on for the bosses because it was like eh, this is just too hard. Yeah, <laughs> I've got things to do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it's great that games can do that, you know. But, mm. um, uh, um, so that's the end of the first half. Well done, you made it. Bye bye, first half. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to the second half of the show where we delve deep into Before We Leave.
So, before we do that, pun intended, we, uh, is that a pun? It's not, Chris, it's just language, English. Um, yeah. I would like to, in your own words, Sam, like there's any others, um, please describe for us what you believe before we leave is. I have to try and remember the elevator pitch. <laughs> um, so it's it's a a cozy, relaxing city building game um, set. It's technically it's post apocalyptic, but it's it's far enough in the future that everything's kind of regrown and reset. Um, so your 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 people are. Um, growing creating their civilization anew in the remains of what was before um but not like you know mutants and lasers and everything um it is non-violent largely um and yeah that's the core of it yeah it's not, it's not for the first time we've featured non-violent games on this show but there's been a recent spate of them um fix, fix fox is a really good one that is celebrates the fact that you know it talks about more in not interesting things but it talks it approaches things in a very different way in that it deliberately avoids any sense of um violence at all but there is a sense of danger there's an interesting mm. sort of balance to it um but not not to the point where the the player's character is personally on the brink of death it's just um they found themselves in an interesting situation that they really ought to get themselves out of. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, now before we leave, reminds me of that title somewhat. They're very different games, although they are both set in space eventually. There's not really a spoiler, everyone. Well, maybe it could be, but um, there is space travel involved before we leave. The, the clues in the title, really, because you're leaving a planet, leaving... Yeah. Yeah, because well, it's, it's um, been out for over two years. I think we can probably spoil things at this point. <laughs> it's fine, um, but at its heart, I've found the experience playing before we leave is it's an adventure game. Oh, okay. Um, in that you are building your civilization and you are creating trade routes, but you're also encountering things, and there's a goal. The goal being to eventually leave and re reintegrate into the galactic civilization yeah. that once was that once was to rebuild that because that's the 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 the, the, the concept of the game in that you you start off in a, in a bunker underground your civilization does or your and you, you burst through and it's not Fallout Three kind of stuff but you do <laughs> you come out into the world and there's no like you said there's no mutants running around and. And strange uh, um, AI trying to... Well, there is, but anyway. <laughs> but um, uh, it's 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 a it's a, a, a the background being that the, 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 you know civilization collapsed for whatever reason, uh, mainly to its own th its own doing, and you're, you're there to rebuild that, to reintegrate, to, to create something mm. uh, from 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 you know reset, if you, as you as you stated, and I found. That once my take on it was that from my interpretation of experiencing before we leave was that all the mechanics there, the engines there to and to leads to an end. The end being to to leave the solar system, which you you create, you settle on the planet, and then you you find other 
continents on that planet and then you from that you then find a spaceship and then an old spaceship that had been there for thousands i don't know how many years could be thousands um and then you re, you repair that and you go flying off between planets and then you know and then you encounter large space whales that eat plant eat parts of planets and, and <laughs> it's just, all sorts of things happen yeah. and this yeah. for me felt like these are events that more felt more akin to uh, an adventure game or an action adventure yeah. game it's dressed within with within the concept of a civilization builder was that the intent or was it something that came about out of happy uh, happenstance and that kind of thing what what um what, what was the have i got the wrong end of the stick but that's that's my experience yeah. with before we leave I don't know if it's the wrong end of the stick, but it's your end of the stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I had no concept of it as a as an adventure game. Um, and there's a, you know, there is a story um, deliberately very lightly told, um, perhaps too lightly told at times, but that's life. Um, but no, it, for me, it's just it's about the joy of building, the joy of seeing your little ant farm villages operating um, and finding new things and, and building things up and yeah yeah I think yeah numbers going up it's yep. you know p- people you know there's a reason clickers are really really <laughs> popular <laughs> not that I've ever personally played them although I might have done find myself inadvertently and like hang on this feels a bit and then you stop playing but <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the case with before we leave um there's some sensibility to that like the pleasing sense of things working as best you can and mm. uh, you can sit there and optimize all day uh but ultimately you're well, I just love the fact that there's always some sense of mystery mm. there's like questions and you want them answered um it's one of the reasons that some aspects of it this sounds very strange, but one of my favourite games of all time is Outer Wilds. I fully admit that's not for everyone, but I, I really love that game. And it was amazing. That, it was, and the only reason it kept me going, despite everything for it, and I mean despite everything, because uh, there's some des- design problems in that game. <laughs> but, you know, despite that, or maybe because of it, I just wanted to find out more. What is going hmm. on? Why is everything yeah. resetting every 22 minutes? That makes yeah. no sense. And yeah. um, before we leave, it's like, what, what happened? Why are these people like this? What, what are these devices up on the ground? What's what's that thing? You know, it's, <laughs> it's just, you know, yeah. I, I'm not going to say what that was. You know, it's just, there's some incredible things you encounter and deal with as legacy from a distant, civil, from a very ancient div, uh, civilization that you've you're building from because you just can't remember apparently but uh, is there some uh, uh, that's what drove me more before we leave not so much the creation of the civilization which was a reward in and of itself but more mm. of discovering the outer worlds of you know and that's another game but the outer the actual expansion of the of the universe and you know your really your part in it and your part and the and the civilization's part in it and that's what that's what really drew me into before we leave and continues to do so. So that's what I thought. It was more of an adventure game because those kind of 
discovery, that exploration, that sense of, you know, that that progression for me was just finding more out and finding the, awesome. And that's what that's and that's why and, and it's very similar to well, yeah, uh, Stanley Parable, although that's that's. <laughs> Bad example, because that's 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 laughing at the player. Like, why are you doing this? Go do something useful. Anyway, so um, my next question is really about the presentation to the player, how the, the player's experience, because there's a lot of data in before we leave, gauges, bars, numbers. Yep. What have you done to stop the player from becoming? overwhelmed with this data and with this information to make sure that they understand that you give it a sense of place and context to them? Oh, good question. Um, we do our best to present players with the data they need to make a decision at the place they're trying to make that decision. Um, honestly, I'm not sure that we've done the best job of handling the data. Um, you know, first game, we were finding out how it worked as we went. But, um, but yeah, and, and there was a lot of um, listening to, to early players, to alpha testers and so on. Um, finding out what data did they want to know um, and and adding it in um, but yeah it was it was it was about thinking about um, you know what do you need to know what can we hide away um, and when you need to know stuff how do you find it and how is it local to what you're trying to do yes. Yeah. As I said, context. What are you trying mm. to achieve? What do you need to know about this? What's driving you to do this thing? Yeah. A basic example is I need to build this thing, whether it be a workshop or what have you, just a building of some description. Well, I need yep. the resources to do that. What are my resources? Have I got any in storage? No. I need to get some then. And it's just that thread. Because you hmm. could quite easily just be swamped with data, what I call football manager syndrome, <laughs> which, right. is, which is just, you know, a celebrated game that has been around for decades now, but I, I don't really gravitate towards it because it's ultimately too transparently a spreadsheet. Whereas <laughs> before you, we leave in games of similar ilk, but specifically before we leave, you, you dance around getting close to being a spreadsheet but you never do that because mm. there's so much more to the experience and what's going on and the, the what the, the the visual delights that are presented yeah. to you and they yeah. are quite exceptional the sunsets and just glorious stuff mm. you you very quickly did divert away from that you do skirt it because of necessity but then you, yeah. go, you then become you return to empathy and heart which is mm. one of the things yeah. that are very important. Uh, and there's something that's very pronounced in, in Before We Leave and, and other games of similar ilk. Yeah. The other other thing that we worked out as hard as we could was simply um, representing as much as we could in the visuals of the game. Yeah. Um, 
just you know little things like you know you can see your pollution on the tiles you don't have to click on tiles to get a graph of how polluted they are you can see how fast your peeps are moving because they're happy or sad Mm. um if you look closely you can see an estimate of how full your warehouses are because they've got boxes piled up in the back um just you know little things like that that help you get a sense of how your um civilization is working on any given island um that gives you you know gives you an impression of how things are going before you need to dive into to graphs and stuff i i do spend a lot of time using that data to make sure that things are working as mm. best they can but what i love about before we leave is it demonstrates that um Splendid isolation, which a phrase that was actually coined at a time was actually a negative thing. People don't understand that. But if you look at the context of where that phrase comes from, it wasn't positive. It was like said in irony. So like there's this thing in splendid isolation. It's absurd. Uh, No society Hmm. can live in in isolation properly um, or efficiently or happily. And that's something that because there's a reliance and other you, you, you do actually have to bringing resources from either other islands or indeed other planets to actually make, you know, to achieve your goals. Hmm. But one of the things that I found really interesting before we leave is, this is my next question, by the way, is the presence of hazards. Um, And, well, I'm going to say, I mean, the wording in this question is a little bit management-like, and maybe I should rephrase it, but... There are things that occur or exist in the world or environment or system or universe that you find yourself in in before we leave. And they can be quite very impactful. And what have you done with the design of these events, hazards, things, to make sure that the player doesn't become entirely focused on them uh mm. and um to to the point where you know de-risking everything <laughs> becomes their focus rather than the, the bigger picture what what have you found balancing that experience of making sure the player has a sense of progress rather than them having to face one crisis after another mm. um so there's there's kind of two, three, I guess. There's three classes of, as you call them, hazards. First class is not really hazards. It's just, you know, running out of a resource just when you need it. Um, or not having, you know, your peeps getting sad because they don't like potatoes or whatever. Um, and those are they're the player's problem. They're the, they're the core challenge of the game. You know, um, anticipating those needs and and getting the right stuff together is you know it's kind of the player's job. Um, so we you know we we help and that you've got all the numbers and the trade routes and so on and so forth. But it's kind of the players you know that's the core as I say that's the core challenge of the game. Um, the second kind of hazards um, they tend to be they're all limited to a single island. Um, so they may be annoying, but you could just not colonize that island or you could go actually this is really annoying i'm going to demolish all my buildings and ship all the resources away and ignore that island because it's just you know i can't bother dealing with it um 
And then the big hazard is, of course, the whales that come along and eat bits of your planet. Um, and after, you know, we tried out um, various ways of, of having them work. Um, and in the end, basically, we arrived at they don't destroy your land and the buildings they eat can be rebuilt. Um, and they don't attack all that often unless you're playing at four times speed. Um, and then you know, they seem to come on fairly frequently. Um, but that was, that was the thing, you know, you don't, um, unless you're extremely unlucky, you don't lose anything permanently. Mm. Um, you know, you, you may have to devote some resources to rebuilding um, and you may need to, you know, let your population recover back up and all that sort of thing. But it's not like, oh, that's it, you're stuffed. You're going to have to, you know, start over. Um, we try to respect our players' time and that we don't um, – it's it's almost impossible to get yourself locked off to the point where you can't um, progress. Yes. yes. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's really quite um, refreshing to see because it's very – very easy to find yourself creating something and circling the drain. You mm. know, uh, it's almost like the civilization's version of Dead Man Walking, where like, yeah, <laughs> this is you on a non start. Stellaris suffers from that quite badly. <laughs> it's right. like, oh, yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's just, I've got this thing. Oh, wait, no, this is not sustainable. You know, and yeah. you, you can see the trend. But the game's still running. The engine's still running. The game's like, no, okay, we we'll, we'll yeah. just, you know, we'll wait for the inevitable white death of the <laughs> destruction of your civilization you spent the last twenty hours trying to build. Like, oh, great. Whereas, um, I mean, the, the patches and changes and optimizations over the years, Wistalaris has addressed that. But initially, it was very much, oh, great, <laughs> this is yeah. a non-starter. Whereas, you know, before we leave, you you, you very um, cleverly. And sort of create a fog around this. It's like, yeah, um, there's risks and dangers and stuff, but there's always ways around these things, not to the detriment of the experience overall. So mm. that's really clever. Um, so my last question. Here we are. I know. Oh, no. uh, here it is. Our time is coming to an end. Time's coming to an end. But here we are. And I want to talk about this because I found it quite interesting that this is a an aspect of 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 uh, before we leave, which uh, initially I struggled with, but then I f- figured out why it exists and why it makes sense that this would be the case, because it can't be understated the importance of having these things, and that's roads, infrastructure, hmm. linking, yeah. connecting, and. Because of so many years of playing Civilization, probably thirty years now, we actually recorded an episode on Civilization One and Two. I think we did. We did, we did both of them because it's a big old subject. And Civ One it doesn't age well, but <laughs> um, uh, but there's a game that has no roads. You have to put them in yourself. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and indeed, you could play the game without them for a little bit and be a bit silly, but you can. But and before we leave, you definitely have to prepare the land so to speak. You have to create those networks before really you can start settling. And I've noticed mm. that there doesn't seem to be um, any resources spent making them. I don't seem to remember. No, and, there aren't. Uh, and uh, they are um, they're just sort of put down immediately. There's no time or effort spent in making them. Whereas in many other games, again, going back to Civ, oh boy, 
Yeah, making a road, that's a that's a that's an event. <laughs> yeah, well you got the you know. And um why? Why are they like that? What, what, um, how did that come about? So, several reasons. Mm. Um, one is that I explicitly decided there was no money in the game. So there's no, there's no money, there's no taxes, there's nothing like that, and that was a very deliberate choice. And in, for example, the Anno series, which was at my main inspiration... Um, roads cost money. Um, so I was like, okay, roads aren't going to cost money. Um, and then you think, okay, so what else could roads cost? Well, I don't want them to cost any of the resources that you are creating because then a player can very easily get themselves into trouble because they've used up all of their resources building roads and now it's like, oh, crap, I can't build the things I need because I built too many roads. Um, and so that's where it came to. Um, one, one thing that they could have cost, which we are thinking about, um, for future things, um, is they could just cost time. Um, you know, peeps have to go and do work to, to make them, Mm. um, that's something we're considering. I think, honestly, I didn't think of that at the time. No. Um, as a as a solution, but yeah, it was it it really did come down to I'd already decided there was no money, and I didn't want them to cost the other resources because then you can lock yourself. Yeah, yeah, they're spending all resources building roads to build to get them build things. It's just there are games that do that. Don't get me wrong, mm. there are many games that do yep. that. But I just I, I when I was putting them down, I was saying I just inwardly I said this is stripping the topsoil from a building site or something like that. That's how I felt like it. It's just like mm. you're just preparing the land for the actual development. Let's, you know, this is, it's an important part of the infrastructure, but let's just hand wave all the, <clears throat> not that I'm going to say that the whole act of creating roads is something you simply hand wave. I'm mm. looking at you, civil engineers. It's fine. We're not saying that, but in the context of before we leave, let's, you know, cut to the chase and, you know, make sure that yeah. it, you can't, you have to have them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And, I mean, it just, it, 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 if you didn't, then it just wouldn't really work. But I did like the idea of you clearing the way and expanding from that. And it also shows mm, yeah. a sense of occupancy. You know, when you yeah, and they, they, were, they were there. I mean, I, I did actually try having no roads um, or having roads be – placed on the edges of tiles so you mm. all the tiles were, were free for placing buildings and I didn't like the crowded look right. um, all your buildings were jammed in together yeah, and, be, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that didn't didn't feel right at all no. um, but roads I mean they're, they're really there as the the negative space to give your your towns and your buildings room to breathe yeah um, you know, functionally, the game would have worked without them. It just would have been a much more crowded look to it. Um, and so, you know, because they're just there as this this sort of almost necessary evil of, of negative space, of laying out, of, of defining how your town grows, um, they weren't there to be 
a goal in themselves. You know, they're just a, a, a necessary thing to, to achieve your goals of reaching new areas and placing buildings and connecting them up and giving your peeps paths to walk on. Um, so, yeah, the, the resources go into the buildings, not into the roads. Yeah, and I really like that. I just I just wanted to ask how that came to be because it's unusual for city builders mm. to be so for, to to look at infrastructure as like oh well, this, that just happens. Let's not focus yeah. on that, you know. Yeah. Um, if if you want that, go play uh, mini motorways. Another game made in New Zealand. Hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, which is fantastic. Um, but there you go. It is. It's uh, that's we've also been on the show. So there you go. So nice. there you go. So um, before we leave. Uh, it's developed by Balancing Monkey Games. I've got to ask, where does that? Yeah, yeah where does that come um, from? So when I was again, when I was first making the game as a as a hobby, um, I mean, I, I was doing it with an eye to you know maybe this could be a day job one day. So we created a company because creating companies is surprisingly easy. Um, and I've always liked monkeys. And I was balancing being a dad and full-time work and hobby game development, therefore balancing monkeys. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, we, we, yeah, it's the beats of 3 a.m. meeting in a pub. Okay. okay. Well, not the <laughs> pubs are open at 3 a.m., but you know what I mean. It's like, okay, yeah. I know, we, we've got an idea. What about Yellow Pig? That'll work. Go with that. <laughs> well, tell you what, naming things is like, the hardest thing about <laughs> game development. Yeah, yeah. Balancing yeah. Monkey was relatively easy, but um, <laughs> before we leave, we went through so many yeah. ideas. It was yeah. like, no, that's crap, that's crap, that's terrible, that's stupid. I think before we leave, literally, it was the first game name we came up with yeah. when no one thought it was bad, and we're like, cool, right, we've found something that's not I, bad, we'll just go with it. I think it speaks so much about what the game experience is and not. It's a, I think yeah. it's a fantastic title because I'm not saying it because you're on the show, but the more you think about it, it's such a warm and fuzzy thing. Like because yeah. when you're preparing to go on a trip, like a holiday or something like that, you know the actual you know the the the, the, the act of doing that is actually quite nice um, mm. because you're going on a little adventure and stuff like that. That's the positive way. There are other people that it's extremely stressful when you have kids and stuff, and that can be quite. And, and, and all sorts of things, trying to sort all that out. They can be stressful, but the ultimate aim is to go away for a bit and stuff like this. Whereas this is like, you're this is preparing for reintegration into the galactic fold yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, let's just sort things out before we go. Let's do that. Yep. That's good. Yep. Oh yes. Yeah, so we um, ask if, if we're going, if our next game is going to be, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's good. yeah there you go <laughs> I could have done but no um, but it's published by Team 17 and uh, what platforms is it available on uh, so it is on um, Steam and uh, Epic um, and the Humble Store uh, it is on Xbox and PlayStation and um, along with Xbox it's on the, the Windows Store um, right and Game Pass on Xbox and Windows Store as well. There so you go. Slightly tangled way of putting it. That's fine. Uh, um, yeah, Game Pass. What, what a thing, eh? That's uh, pretty cool. <laughs> it's just like the amount of times you hear about a game and your first question is, is, is it on Game Pass? Because <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't want to end up buying it twice. It's happened. It's really happened. 
You go, oh, it's a game. And he go off to Steam and you go, oh, fine. I gave him some money. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Um, but, uh, and also, is it, what, what uh, machines does it work on? Just to, on the, on, on the Steams and things. Is it just Windows? I can't remember. Uh, Windows and Mac. Windows and Mac. There you go. Yep. There's first of all Mac owning friends out there, of which I am for my laptop because it can take a bullet and yep. still run. Nice. <laughs> but um, Sam, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you very much. It's been and, wonderful being on it. Yeah, and uh, more than welcome to come back. We've had a lot of return cool. guests over the years. We've got nice. uh, Roll Seven coming up for their fourth appearance. Uh, wow. uh, Ollie Ollie World. Um, so, uh, fellow Londoners, so you know, <laughs> it's easy then. Yeah, it's kind of easy for us. To, that's why we've been going. For, that's why we've had a connection for so many years because they're kind of local to me. But, um, mm. but no, whatever it is, we may come back to. But we'll be here, Sam. We'll be here to chat cool. about whatever that is. But in the meantime, yep. thank you so much. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, caneandrinse.com. <laughs>